down in May But I know I'm gonna change that tune When I'm back on top, back on top in June Good morning, Journey. So good to be with you here in the Commons and wherever you might be engaging with this. So glad to be gathered as the church. We're going to finish up our series today uh, called That's Life with a series called That's Life, Don't Waste It. We'll be in Colossians, Colossians 4, 7 through 18, if you want to Get there in your Bible or on your phone or your tablet or wherever you're streaming. That's awesome. You can multitask. Good for you. We're finishing up the series. And then next week, we're going to be talking about wisdom. So you don't want to miss out on that. I see, it seems like there's a little lack of wisdom around the world these days. So um, we're going to talk about wisdom throughout the summer. So please join us online and here for our series on wisdom starting next week. Let's finish up Colossians, though, today. Colossians 4, 7 through 18. This is Paul's final greetings to the church in in Colossia. Tychicus will, that's a big word, right? Somebody should bring back that name. Call my kid Tychicus, okay. Will tell you all about all the news about me. He is a dear brother, a faithful minister, and a fellow servant in the Lord. I'm sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. He is coming with Onesimus, another name we should bring back. Okay, our father, our faithful and dear brother who is one of you, they will tell you everything that is happening here. My fellow prisoner, Aristarchus, sends to you his greetings, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. You have received instructions about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. Jesus, who is also called Hustus, just a clarification, not that Jesus, different Jesus, also sends greetings. These are the only Jews among my co-workers for the kingdom of God, and they have proved a great comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you, that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. I vouch for him that he is working hard for you and for those in Laodicea and Hierapolis. Our dear friend Luke, the doctor, and Demas send greetings My greetings to the brothers and sisters at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her home. After this letter has been read to you, see to it that you also read in the church of Laodicea and that you in turn read the letter from Laodicea. Tell Ericapus, oh boy, I shouldn't have picked this passage, all right. Ericapus, see to it that you complete the ministry you have received 
in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. I want to, be, I want to begin today with a great that's life question for you. And here's the that's life question for you this morning. What have you done with your life? What have you done with your life? John Piper, uh, pastor, wrote a book, Don't Waste Your Life. And in it, he said this, desire that your life counts for something great. Long for your life to have eternal significance. Want this. Don't coast through life without a passion. What have you done with your life? There's this classic scene in uh, the movie, A River Runs Through It. And Norman comes home from Dartmouth and he has graduated, college graduate, and he walks into his father's study and his father says, you can bet that from here to Helena, they've heard about your accomplishments. And then he says to him, to what purpose will you use this great accomplishment of graduating. Graduates, you've heard this question. What are you going to do with your life? That's what Norman's dad is asking him. What are you going to do with your life? What I want to encourage us to do is this, not waste it. Don't waste your life. I had a seminary professor at Denver Seminary Uh, And he challenged us on the very first day of class. And he said, don't live your life in the shallows. Live your life in the depths. And I think right now for us, we are in a culture that tempts us into the shallows and not into the depths of life. And we need to push back against that so we don't waste our lives. We, We don't need to be mindless consumers. We need to be creators, not mindless consumers, but we need to be creators. I I, I think that we're tempted to live our lives with distractions in front of us. I think we we are encouraged to entertain ourselves to death. Listen, we watch TV shows about fixing up other people's houses when our houses need to be fixed up. You understand that? Like we play video games about playing the guitar, but we don't know how to play the guitar, right? Like this is the culture that we live in. We watch TV shows uh, about finding the right one, but we haven't found the right one. We We don't put in the same energy as we do in watching The Bachelorette, in finding The Bachelorette, okay? Can I get an amen from some of the girls in here? Like, come on, guys. Put a little effort in here, all right? We watch shows about tigers, right? See, here, it's funny, but it's not. It's hard, right? It's hard. I think in particular right now, it's hard. I think, I'll admit to you, I want to distract myself to death right now. I don't want to engage. I went on vacation this week, Sealy Lake, and I was like, I literally called John on Thursday I said, how's it going back there? He's like, oh, it's all right. I said, um, uh, I think I'm just going to stay. And he's like, sounds good. We don't need you anyway. <laughs> and he's like, just have Eli hold a phone up and then film yourself doing a sermon around the campfire. And I was like, I think I'm going to do that. I think I'm going to go there, right? 
Like there was this part of me that was just like, I don't want to come back. Any of you been like, you wake up and you like look at the news and are like, maybe it's just pretend. Did it go away? Nope, it didn't go away. Okay, right? Like, I think we're in danger of saying we want to distract ourselves, entertain ourselves, not engage in this life because it's too hard, it's too trying, and we want to waste our lives. And Jesus would say, and Paul would encourage us, even in this little passage about all these people, to not waste our lives. So here's what I want to do. I want to give you just six really practical ways for you not to waste your life. This life, today, it's a gift So don't waste it. So six, don't waste your life ideas. By the way, I think if you follow these six, don't waste it uh, ideas. If everybody that was watching, everybody engaged here would do this this week, I think our neighborhoods would be better. I think you'd be happier by the end of the week. I think your family would be happier by the end of the week. I think the world would be a better place. I don't need, listen, we don't need some politician to figure this out for us. And we don't need a doctor to figure this out for us. And we don't need the internet to figure this out for us. And we don't need social media to figure this out for us. We need to live as Christians in this world and hold ourselves to a higher standard, a higher account of who we are. Live this out and you won't have to worry about the rest, okay? Pretty important sermon. Stick with me, all right. Number one, be an encourager. Be an encourager. So Tychicus and Mark are noted in here as being encouragers. Mark is also the brother, or also the cousin, sorry, the cousin of Barnabas. Barnabas' name means son of encouragement. Here's the question this morning. Who do you encourage? Are you an encourager or are you a hater? Because like the saying is true, haters got to hate. That's how it works. Like, and if, if I'm paying attention, like there's a lot of haters out there right now, okay? People want to hate about all kinds of things right now. And here's the question, how are you encouraging people? Who are you encouraging? See, see Paul lifts up several people in this passage to say, these people are encouragers. They're encouraging the church. They're bringing life to the church. Don't you love being around encouragers? I love being around encouragers and I don't love being around haters. Uh, when, when I was about, about a year ago trying to figure out, hey, we're gonna come here, uh, move from Big Sky to Bozeman. One of the things that God just kept whispering to me was, hey, Brian, you need to come and you and Bob need to c- encourage each other. I was like, that's such a weird, okay, great, I, like, Awesome, I'll encourage Bob. Bob. I know Bob will encourage me. Like He signs all of his emails. If you ever email Bob, it ends with your friend and fan. I'm like, dude, this is like the encourager of the year, right? So, so like, but, but that was the purpose, part of the purpose why God sent me here. God said, hey, you need to go and be an encouragement to Bob. Little did I know that we were in, gonna be in the middle of a pandemic. Little did I know that we were going to be in the middle of this weird season. We're trying to figure out online and how to engage with you and then trying to be back, but sort of it's not working that great and masks and all this stuff. And we're trying to figure it out. And the reality is Bob and I have both needed a ton of encouragement in this moment. I'm like, oh, okay, God, I, I get it. Like you want me to be an encourager to Bob and Bob is obviously an encourager to all of us. 
and, and to me as well. And so I would say, uh, uh, be like Bob, okay? That, that's my first point. Be like Bob, okay? Be an encourager this week. Paul highlights those who are encouragers and he puts them up on the mantle. He says, these are important people. Why? Because they encourage. Who will you encourage this week? Number two, be a servant. Be a servant. Tychicus and Epaphras are both noted here in this passage as servants. And Paul also often refers to himself as a servant of Jesus. And Jesus himself says it this way. I didn't come that I might be served, but I came so that I might serve. Who are you serving? Who are you serving? Or are you waiting for somebody to serve you, right? Who are you called to serve this week? Who are you called to love this week, to care for this week, to lean into their lives this week? I, I think we're all really hurting because we, we can't gather here in the normal way, but I heard a pastor say this this week and I think it's so insightful. We're not called just to be in here a holy little huddle. We're called to be the church, okay? You don't need permission from your pastor to go serve, okay? You don't need to come to church to go serve. If the central piece of the gospel is that Jesus said, I came that I might serve, not be served, then we should follow suit and we should be those who would serve first. Not last, not never, but that we would serve as well. Who will you serve? Michelle just got up here and talked about this in base camp. Uh, we have this fantastic ministry and they are filled with servant leadership people. Peggy is phenomenal. Here's my second point. Be like Peggy, okay? First point was be like Bob. Second point, be like Peggy. Peggy serves your kids. She loves your kids. Be like Teresa. Be like Faith, be like Felicia down there. They love and serve the kiddos down there. Find a way to serve. Be a servant. Number three, be a greeter. Be a greeter. Aristarchus and Hustus, well, Jesus also called Hustus. So Jesus was a pretty common name, okay? It's like, it's like Bob, okay? Pretty common name. And so he wanted to make sure you understand this is somebody else, like Jesus up in heaven, that whole thing, right? So Hustus, uh, also called Jesus, as does Mark, John, they all are considered those who want to send greetings. They want to send greetings to the church because they're welcoming, they're greeting. Did you get greeted this morning? Raise your hand if you got greeted this morning, Okay. You got greeted? Hey, online, you didn't get greeted. Hello, good morning, good to see you. Actually, Michelle did greet you, so you got it, okay? We love to be welcome. We love to greet. And if we are people of Jesus, we need to be those who are welcoming. We need to be those who are greeters. Raise your hand if you greeted this morning. Yes, good job. We love you. Good job. Way to be like this sermon. So look around. Raise your hand if you greeted this morning. Raise them up high. Okay, okay. Okay, look at those people. Be like them, Okay? So be like Bob, all right? Be like Peggy and then be like those people who raised their hands. One of the people in particular that was mentioned here is Nympha. Uh, she, she's a woman who is, 
who is gathering the church in her home. I think she's following in the footsteps of Mary and Martha. Mary and Martha, they often had Jesus over to their house uh, and, and they, they were the birthplace really of the church and so is Nympha here in, uh, in the book of Colossians. Like the, He's saying, hey, Nympha is welcoming people. She is greeting people. Like some of you have the gift of hospitality, right? You just always have a cheese platter. Like, I don't know why you have a cheese platter, but you always got a cheese platter. Like I show up and you're like, hold on, let me go get the cheese platter. And you pull the cheese platter out out of nowhere. And you're like, just had it sitting around, some cheese platter, a little bit of meat, a great glass of wine. Okay, I don't even like, it's just your gift. Lean into that gift. Be a greeter. Open your homes to one another. Once again, I know we're hurting, not gathering as a church. Listen, gather as a church. Have people over to your homes, gather in respectful and responsible ways, but don't stop being the church, meeting as a church, encouraging, loving one another, having dinners together, being the church with one another, okay? Be a greeter. Here's what greeters are. Greeters are people that go, there you are, right? The opposite is this, okay? You know these people, don't nudge them, okay? Okay, the opposite is, here I am, right? That's, there's like, here I am, people, and then there's, there you are, people, okay? Greeters are, there you are, people. Be a there you are, people. Be somebody who's ready, waiting for someone to come in the door with open doors so that they might come into the door so you can say, there you are. I see you. I love you. I want to greet you. Be a greeter, number three. Number four, B, oh wait, wait, I got two examples of B greeter. John and Michelle Oakland, okay? John and Michelle Oakland, John is our uh, executive pastor here. Uh, him and Michelle are just like this dynamic team. How many of you have spent a little bit of time with John and Michelle? Like, okay, good. See, they, they have lots of people over to their homes. Their home is always open. I remember a couple weeks back, John said, hey, come over. I'm fishing over on the big hole. Let's go fishing. So I went over there and they had their whole camping rig and uh, we got together and they were like, sit down. And I'm like, okay. And they're like, can we get you something to drink? I'm like, yeah, sure. And then like, I'm feeling awkward. Like I should be helping out. And they're just like, like, Hey, what can we do? And they made these amazing skillet nachos. So uh, point number three is be like John and Michelle. Okay. All right. Number four, be a prayer warrior. Be a prayer warrior. Paul mentions Epaphras. And he says, Epaphras is always wrestling in prayer for you. He's always wrestling in prayer for you. The word that he's using there is trying to help understand like a fighting term. That prayer is actually taking the fight to the enemy. That Epaphras is laboring hard in prayer for the Colossians on their behalf. Be a prayer warrior, because here's the deal. Prayer is not a last resort. Prayer is not a last resort. It's the first move in a battle, okay? Prayer is not the last resort in a battle. Prayer is the first move in a battle. Some of you would say, I don't know what to do right now. Pray, 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 pray. 
Prayer is not a last resort. Listen, if you say, I'm just gonna pray for you, you need to take that out of your vocabulary. You're never just gonna pray for somebody. When you pray for somebody, you bring them before the throne of Jesus. Do you understand that? When you pray for somebody, you bring them to Jesus who can do all things and you say, Jesus, this is the person I offer to you. You can do more for this person than I can. I'm going to bring this person to you. I believe that you can do more than I can do. It is not a last resort. It's a first move. Be people of prayer. Every Thursday or Friday, I get a text message um, that says, hey, who's, who's up? Bob and I get a text message, who's up? And so we tell uh, the person that um, we're up and this is what we're preaching on. Like two days ago, I said, hey, this is what I'm preaching on. And I said, I might mention the team. And, and, and so um, here's the deal. So, so that gets passed along to a prayer team. Some of you are on that prayer team. And you're praying for Bob and for me every single weekend. And I can feel it. I feel empowered when I preach because of the prayers offered up for me. Will, Will, who's the guy who plays bass, right? Will is a man of prayer. This morning we were preparing and Will prayed for me and I got, we got done with that prayer and I was like, yes, Will, I'm ready to, pray, to preach now, right? Because you prayed for me because prayer is not a last resort. It's the first move. Be like Will, be like our prayer team. Be prayer warriors. Prayer warriors. Um, okay, I got some time in this, so this is a funny story. So uh, some of you wondering about my tattoo, okay? And I got some others, but I'm not gonna show you those right now. Okay, and so um, some wouldn't be appropriate. All right, all right, here we go. So, um, so this in Hebrew, <laughs> so, well, when I first, you check your Hebrew before you get your tattoos. This is the point, kids. Okay, so... Uh, it, it, says, it says warrior, but it kind of bled over the years, and now it says bread. So anyway, like both of those things, um, but, but originally, uh, it was like me and eight other guys, we have this tattoo. We all gave each other names, and they were like, you're the warrior, the prayer warrior. And I'm like, yes, I love that, right? And so got that tattooed, and now it says bread. So I don't know what that means, but Jesus is like bread too. There you go. Okay. Be a prayer warrior. Number five, be a healer. Be a healer. Don't be a destroyer. Don't be a divider. Be a healer. Church, can we please be healers? Luke is mentioned here. Luke is a physician he writes the gospel and the account of, of Luke and the gospel account of, of Acts. And he's not like the doctors we have today. It was a little more rudimentary back then. Um, but he was called to be a healer. And I just, I wanna lean into that for us this morning. Like, who has God called you to be a source of healing for? A source of wholeness for. See, I think we can offer healing as members of the body of Christ in ways that nobody else can. And it, and it hurts me to the core 
when we're not the source of healing, but we're the source of pain. So, so many have been hurt by the church. So many have been injured by church people who say they love Jesus with their lips, but in their heart, they're, they're not a healer. Do you understand that Jesus came to heal? He came to heal. Like, he, he gave the guy with no sight sight. The, the paralyzed man, when his friends dug through the roof and dropped him down, right? He healed him. He brought Lazarus back from the dead. He's about wholeness. He's about healing. He's not about ripping apart division and hurting people. Like before you say whatever you have to say this week, what you think you have to say to make your point, would you consider whether that's gonna heal somebody or not? Like when you feel so like, I got a point and everybody needs to hear it, would you just stop a second this week and say, is this gonna offer healing to people? They really need to hear this. Am I being a healer right now? Uh, Michelle Quigley, be like Michelle. Be like Michelle Quigley. Michelle Quigley organized a call team that has called the entire church. It, it, we, so, so they've called everybody and, and it's been really simple. What they've done is when they get a hold of someone, they say, hey, um, just checking in on you, wondering how you're doing, wondering if there's anything I can be praying for you in, right? They're leaning into that prayer warrior part, right? And then they spend some time talking to that person and praying with that person. Some of you have received these emails or these phone calls or have uh, gotten a message of encouragement on your phone. We need to be healers. Healers ask, hey, what's wrong? And how can I help? Once again, you don't need to come to church to do this. You need to go out and be the church out there, be a source of healing. Ask people, what do you need? How can I help you? Like, I understand that you're not as fearful maybe as some other people, but some other people are fearful. Can you get that? Like, can you understand that? I know you're not. I don't care. I don't care. I don't think Jesus does either. I think Jesus looks at the person who's hurting and says, hey, why aren't you healing that person? Why don't you care about that person? Why don't you love that person? Why don't you just at least listen to that person? Just, just be quiet for a second and listen to that person so you can be a source of healing. Be a healer. How can I pray for you? It's a great healing term. Number six, be part of the family. So Paul uses family language quite a bit in here. He talks about Tychicus being his dear brother and Nesimus being his dear brother uh, he says about Onesimus, he's one of you. And, and, and he's saying, hey, I, he wants to invite you to be part of the family, to be part of the family. He highlights those here who are part of the family. See, that's what a church is. A church is a family. And man, we should be such a great family that everybody else would want to be part of our family. Like, you ever been with one of those families that you're like, I don't think I want to be part of that family, right? 
I, I do weddings, okay, which are fun and very interesting sometimes, okay? So I get, I get to see like two families and then they collide and, and I'm, a, I'm not gonna tell you who, but like uh, sometimes I'm like, oh, I, I would love to be part of that family. And then sometimes I'm like, oh, I would not wanna be part of that family. You know what I mean? So like we should be the family that everybody wants to be a part of. Like, look how much they love each other and care for each other. Look how much they fun they have. We want to be a part of that family. I'm going to say this. This is a little, this, well, I'm, I'm going to lift up my own family because, man, my family, the Van Epses, they're awesome. Like, I love being a Van Epps. Like, if you can imagine, they're all as loud as me, Okay. So like family get-togethers are outrageous. And the way you get to tell your story is if it's louder than everybody else and you just keep going. You gotta plow through. You gotta have power. You gotta plow through. You gotta have courage to keep going, okay? That's how you get your story out. When we play games, there are no winners. It's just all losers when it's all over, okay? Just everybody's lost and sad and it's, it's amazing. When people tell stories, like we all cry. We all hug way too much. Like the Van Epses. They're an awesome family. And we, we have people who are like, man, I want to be part of that family. I love that family. See, this is who we're invited into. This should give you a sense of identity, right? You're part of the family of God. You're part of the church family. I, I, I've been doing some parenting this week because we were on vacation for my children, vacation and a little extra work for dad and mom. Okay, so... And, and, and it, was, it was really fun, though. We went to Sealy Lake. But, like, it's just uh, Lori and I and the kiddos and out and trying to parent and love them and give them too much ice cream and then try to get them to bed on time, and that probably didn't work out so great. But, you know, so we're doing the best we possibly can. And one of the conversations I keep having with my kids is giving them a sense of identity. And what I keep saying to them is, hey, we're Vanepses. This is what we do. Like, one of the things we had this week was uh, we were just having a struggle and we couldn't figure something out as a family. And I said, hey, we're Vanepses. We figure things out. That's what we do. Like, we're Vanepses. We, that's, that's who we are. We figure things out. And then I had the kids like, hey, hey, Ava, hey, Eli, we're Vanepses. What do we do? We figure things out, Dad. Okay, good. That's who we are, right? I'm giving them a sense of identity in who they are so they might be proud to be a Vanepses. Are you proud to be part of the family? Or are you going, man, I don't know if I'm part of this family yet. Maybe, maybe you've just been checking us out online and you're saying, I don't know if I want to be part of this family. Can I just tell you, this family's awesome. And I think you should be part of it. We have a really good dad. His name's Jesus. Way better than whatever dad you had, okay? We have great brothers and sisters who love each other, who have fun with each other, who encourage one another. We have a great family. And I want to invite you, if you're not been part of that family, to be a part of that family. Here's the big idea. It's better to be a footnote in the book of life than a chapter in any other book. See, see these people's names are just footnotes, right, in Paul's letter. It is better to be a footnote in the book of life than a chapter in any other book. Jesus said it like this. What does it profit someone? to gain the whole world but forfeit, but lose their soul. What, what, is it, what does it gain anyone if we have 
everything that we want, but we actually lose our soul. Back to what Michelle Quigley said. Are you living with an eternal purpose? Are you living with your eyes fixed upon eternity? Are you living into these six ideas that will bring health and wholeness to our broken world? It's better for you to be a footnote in the book of life than a chapter in any other book. J.F. Packer died at 93 this year, or this week. He died at 93 this past week on July 17. He wrote one of, one of the best-selling Christian books of all time called Knowing God. And in his last breath, he said this, glorify Christ every way. Glorify Christ every way. Here's your, here's your next step. State who you think God has made you to be. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to write it down somewhere where you can see that all week. Maybe it's one of these six points, right? Maybe it's God has called me to be a prayer warrior. Great, write it down. Maybe it's God has called me to be a greeter. Great, write that down. God has called me to be a healer. Write that down. If you've got something else, write that down. Who has God called you to be? I'm being mentored by Derry Long. Just an amazing man of God, pastor here for many years. He's going to actually uh, do a sermon in our wisdom series. He just turned 70. And I said, how does it feel? How does it feel? Like, I'm turning 40 this year. How does it feel to, to reach 70? Like, that's a, that's a cool number. He's like, Brian, my purpose has never been more important. I said, tell me more about that. He said, Brian, a, a while back, like, I determined these, these main phrases in my life. And one of the main phrases was, I am a scholar. That's what Derry said. And he said, I just spend my life knowing like that's who God made me to be. And so I ask myself in the morning, if I can live a life worthy of Christ, I'm gonna be a scholar. I'm gonna do what God has called me to do as a scholar. Who has God called you to be? You're a follower of Jesus. You're a husband or a wife. You're a father or a mother. For me, I'm a preacher. Who are you? Who does God say that you are? What name does he put upon you? What does he want you to live into this week so that you might glorify his name and bring him glory in every way? Don't waste your life. Don't. Don't waste your life. Jesus, we want to be those who live our lives for you to the fullest. We want to be those who bring light into this world. We want to be those who bring flavor into this world. God, we, we need you to empower us through your spirit. We need you to whisper to us who you see us as, who you are calling us into. God, I pray right now that you would just give us even one word 
This is who you're calling me into this week. I am a healer. I am a prayer warrior. I am a greeter. I am an encourager. I am a source of light and a source of life in this world. I am one bringing the kingdom of God into every aspect of my life. God, who do you say I am? And then Jesus, let us live that out for your name, for your glory, the name above all other names, the name of Jesus, in whose name we pray. Thanks for listening. We hope this time has allowed you to dig out more of who God has made you to be. If you made some kind of spiritual decision today and are interested in what's next, we'd love to connect with you. For more information or to get in touch, please visit journeyweb.net. If you're interested in supporting our ministry, you can give online at journeyweb.net slash give. Thanks.